recently I've started to look into um, how you break goals down and we have either milestone goals or lifestyle goals. And a milestone goal is where you kind of like will hit a certain point and you can put up with kind of like anything to get there. So say that's lose five kgs and you'll do whatever you can to get there. But then what happens once you're there? Like that's kind of, you know, like that works great for say getting a degree or um, getting a promotion or something like that. But when it comes to our health and how we really want to be living every day, what happens when we get to that? Whereas a lifestyle goal is about kind of like making those small changes that are sustainable and will set you up to kind of continue. And mm. sure, it will get you closer to maybe your numerical goal of say losing five kgs or something, but it will also set you up with these habits and routines and things that you can use going forward. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome to episode 78 of The Balance Theory podcast, and in fact, our first guest interview for May. Feels so weird saying May. It somehow still feels like the start of 2022, but here we are closer to end of financial year than the beginning, actually. I hope you're all having a lovely week so far. And I just wanted to quickly remind anybody who hasn't had a chance to jump into our Facebook group. I've popped a link in the show notes below. Do jump in. It's a great way to connect with other people who are interested in the podcast and balance, I suppose, in general. There is a pinned introductory post where you can just introduce yourself to the group. So don't be shy. And if you have any questions, um, just hit me up on Instagram. You guys know I'm super active in my DMs and I love chatting to all of you. So don't be shy. Speaking of chatting to you in my DMs, today's guest is a fellow listener. She reached out to me a couple months ago. We got chatting and I just loved her work, her mission and her story. And so it was only fitting that I had her on the podcast. I'm speaking about the lovely Harriet Lidgard, who is a qualified nutritionist and health coach. Today, we chat about becoming your very own food, mind and body expert, which is such an empowering concept in and of itself, how to really reconnect with that intuition and knowing about your own body, how to heal your relationship with food, ditch the diets and the guilt that comes with eating a lot of the time. It's something I'm very familiar with and have experienced quite intensely in the past. And as well, the idea of an all or nothing mindset when it comes to food. So I'm talking about if you're the kind of person who will eat really clean the whole week and then you feel like if you, I don't know, had ice cream on a Thursday night, that throws out the complete week. Like you've ruined the whole week just because you had one ice cream. We, we chat a little bit about that mindset, which I think a lot of us are prone to falling into and I think can really temper with our sense of balance when it comes to the food relationship. Harriet also shares some really beautiful tips on how to trust your body, embrace self-confidence with food, and also a little bit about mindful eating. I always really love these episodes about our food relationship only because I feel as though once I grew through my relationship with food and became super aware of how it made me feel and what that meant for my life and my lifestyle, I just felt like it was completely game-changing to my sense of balance, even if I didn't know it at the time. Of course, everything discussed on today's podcast is just general conversation and it is always recommended that you go and seek professional advice if this is an area that you feel you need further assistance in. But in saying that, I know you guys are going to love the chat. Spread the love and send it to one or two friends who are also interested in this area of life and potentially also working on themselves in this realm because this one's a very, very easy to connect with, down-to-earth conversation that I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of. Enjoy the chat. Let's dive straight in. All right, Balancers. Today, I'm joined by a lovely listener all the way from New Zealand. I've got Harriet Lidgard on the podcast. Welcome to the Balance Series. It's so nice to have you on to chat today. It's so lovely to be here. Thanks for having me on. No trouble at all. So you're just telling me a little bit off air about your current situation in New Zealand. What's, what's going on over there? What's the update? Um, so slowly moving along with what the rest of the world's done. Um, so at the moment, we're kind of in a funny place where we're just self-isolating if we've got COVID or someone in our household has got it. 
And at this stage, I'm a little unsure whether I have it or not. <laughs> so You're in I am at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, the tests are coming back negative, but just kind of unsure. So I'm at home, but that's all good. Um, quite good for getting some work done. Absolutely. Speaking of, can you share a little bit with the rest of the listeners about who you are and what it is you do? Yeah, fantastic. Cool. So um, I'm a nutritionist and health coach um, and a very passionate foodie. I've always loved um, being involved with food and getting creative and things in the kitchen. Um, and so now after my own personal kind of struggles with um, my relationship with food and things like that, um, and my passion for it. So obviously I went and studied nutrition. Then now I help clients um, to kind of rebuild their relationship with food um, and their bodies um, and to really become comfortable with their own self again. Um, I think it can get kind of complicated um, and particularly with the diet culture and things that's around and a lot of us have grown up with. Um, just finding that own balance can be quite tricky. Mm -hmm. as you kind of talk about on the podcast as well um but yeah so kind of base my work around helping people to become their own experts on themselves um and work out what works best for them I love that and there's so many concepts you just mentioned like becoming an expert with your own body or like that your balanced relationship with food that we are going to go into for sure but I did want to ask you because uh, I'm not quite clear on the distinction myself. What uh, what does a health coach do that say a nutritionist doesn't do? Like, why is it that you've got the both as a combination? Is there something additional you do as a health coach, like on top of nutrition? Yeah, so um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my nutrition degree. Um, so I find that that's a really great background and where a lot of kind of like um, my nutrition knowledge and everything comes from. But I also then did a health coaching course as I found it gave me a really great way to work with clients um, and kind of communicate all that nutrition side of things, but integrate it more holistically. Um, so it's a really like sustainable look at someone's whole life um, right. and it's really integrate everything together Got and it. not just solely focus on their food. Because I do feel like if you're trying to make those changes to find that balanced kind of lifestyle, um, then there's a lot of things that play into it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty and I pick your expertise, uh, just, just for a bit of fun, can you tell me, I guess you said you were a foodie, what is your favorite thing to eat if you're going out for dinner? If I'm going out for dinner, well, that is a very tricky question. And I find the, the nutritionists, every time they come on, they're like, oh, do I have to say something that's like healthy? I'm like, no, just tell me what it is. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. So I think at the moment I have... A real love for like wood-fired pizzas yeah like with a really good base quite simple ingredients so I think that would be my go-to at the moment yeah I'm sure it will change I'll find something else soon <laughs> yeah well, that's it you just kind of uh, work, work your way through the food in life but my partner's dad um, he was a they call it an Italian a pizzaiolo so he used to make pizza when he was like from oh. the age of nine in the family restaurant and now at the house they've got a wood fire oven so every so often uh, his mum will make the dough and then we'll all kind of make pizzas and it's just so nice when it's homemade as well but yeah going up for it is absolutely oh. a treat yeah that sounds like a dream that sounds absolutely delicious <laughs> I know and, and I feel quite blessed because he's now uh, passing on the tradition or teaching my partner so I'm like excellent like I'm gonna have like a longevity of this experience for a while so very grateful for that because I also yeah. love pizza <laughs> great skill yeah, absolutely. It actually looks a lot harder than I think what it, sorry, I think it's a lot harder than what it looks. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll do the topping side. I think that's that's more up my alley. But um, let's move on now a little bit to balance and a balanced relationship with food. So before I ask you, I guess, what that actually looks like, I think it would be really useful if you shared maybe your journey into finding that balance with food. And then you can kind of tell me what that actually looks like for you. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. So yeah, I think I mentioned a little bit before, um, I've definitely had my own kind of personal struggles with food and eating habits, um, body image, um, kind of going through everything from restriction to kind of like binge eating and weight fluctuations. Um, having the, very The swinging pendulum, hey, between extremes. Yeah, it's like that very like up and down. You're kind of like lost in what you're doing. You kind of have these high expectations of where you want to be but nothing seems to get you there and kind of just like 
I don't know, I try all sorts of things, all sorts of diets and things like that. Um, and nothing so works. Yeah, nothing works. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I was in that for quite a few years and it took me kind of quite a while to work out that those weren't really ever getting me where I desperately wanted to be or was what, the, what I was searching for. Um, so it's interesting because looking back at it, um, I grew up in a household that's really active and food nutrition focus it's really healthy and in like a creative and sustainable kind of way so there was no um I wouldn't say it's like an environment that you would think I developed kind of like a complicated relationship with food or um slightly like disordered eating patterns or anything like that um so I do find that interesting because I obviously I still did <laughs> um like many of us do I guess and it just came from that wanting to be a certain size um, and look mm -hmm. a certain way. Um, however, I do think that luckily due to my passion and things for food and the nutrition side of it and things like that, um, I kind of suddenly, I, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when, um, I kind of decided that it wasn't, it, it wasn't fun, it wasn't getting me anywhere what I was currently doing um, and I really wanted to start enjoying and, and making kind of food fun again. It's so funny um, how many people I interview that work in your space that have had such a complicated relationship with food, whether that be from their upbringing or just like uh, the you know, nature, like the, the way their environment that's kind of pushed them in that direction, even to a point where they started studying it and they were still you know, falling in that pendulum of swinging between extremes, even up to that point. Um, it, but I always find it interesting whenever that pivot happens and then they really start using their work to help others and help themselves. And that's what I love. I love when I meet people where, uh, well, even this podcast, right? Like it helps me with my self-development. I'm not the expert in self-development. I learn from every single person I have on as a guest and every single listener that reaches out. So I find it, um, I just wanted to interject and say, I, I find it interesting yeah. and really powerful when people take their own lessons and experiences and then whatever they're doing, they learn from, but then share that with other people. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, well, it was definitely kind of like while I was studying things, um, although I was studying nutrition and things like that, I kind of had a horrible relationship with food in my body. And, and I think I also kind of, um, when I left uni, I didn't know what to, I wanted to do with my nutrition degree or if I wanted to do anything with it because it had kind of killed my passion for it, having those kind of like struggles. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was, I like I say, I don't really know when it was, but I kind of decided that that wasn't, wasn't what I wanted or wasn't being helpful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey and there's still up and downs, I guess, and like that confidence and self-trust and things. Um, and particularly, I guess, I guess it's just continual work that you will always do on yourself um, yeah. in terms of like falling back into those traps um whether they're like small little things like forcing yourself to get out and exercise after maybe what you maybe think wasn't the best meal you ate um or suddenly becoming slightly obsessed of your steps each day and things like that so um I definitely think it's still something I work on in different times um it's kind of like a better balance than others yeah but um yeah it's, it's definitely like a place that anyone can get to so yeah, I'm really glad you, I'm glad you've called that point out because I think a lot of the times when people think, um, you know, if they're striving for this equilibrium or this balance with their food, whatever it is, with their health, in their life in general, you almost get this sense that you'll never repeat patterns that feel unbalanced or that make you feel off, you know, but that's mm. just really unfortunately not the case. It's it's just life that will fall and slip into old habits and old routines. And it's just that simple awareness of saying, hey, I can see that I'm now doing this again. And, and I know the consequences of repeatedly doing this. So it's about like less being like less critical in ourselves when we do sleep because it is normal. And knowing that like that balance is just something you have to constantly work out. It's not like you hit it and then you're there forever and you kind of can sit back and chill out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's so, so true what you just said then about um, kind of like not being hard on yourself and there'll be slip ups and things. 
Yeah. Um, and you just get stronger, right? Uh, the more consistent you are, but, but bringing it back to like the balanced relationship with food, if someone asked you, or well, let's reframe that. Cause I'm asking you, what is a balanced relationship with food? What does that look like? Or what does that mean to you? Because granted it will potentially mean something different to every single person, but what are your thoughts on that? I think one of the main things would be that you can still, I guess you can still be working towards a goal or something like that, but you know that everything doesn't have to be perfect to get there. Um, so you can still be spontaneous and go out and enjoy yourself. Um, but you know that kind of like what you do, the small things you do every day, are what's going to get you to that goal. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's great to still have kind of like the goals and things to maybe eat slightly better or um, exercise slightly more and things. And I think that's great. And it's pulled into balance by also being able to go out and do the things you enjoy um, and really not letting that take over your life um, yeah. so that you've still got the time to do the things that you want to yeah. be able to do. I think Absolutely. I see with a lot of clients, it's kind of um, food's kind of taken or exercise or something's really taken over their life. And that's all they spend so much time thinking about. Um, whereas in the balance kind of aspect of it, you'd kind of can eat and exercise and things. And that's just part of your day. Um, and there's so much more uh, to it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like there's definitely no wrong and right answer here, but that's something that aligns really well with with my thoughts too. And I really see like having a balanced relationship with your food and, and anything really is all about flexibility because no two mm. days are the same. And the version of you yesterday, today, this afternoon, tomorrow, like is going to need very, very different things from you. You know, even as women, we go through so many different changes throughout the month that I don't know about you, but like at different points in the month, like my relationship with food is very different. I need something very different from it, depending on where I'm at in my cycle. For an example, if I'm exercising more, I need more from my relationship with food, you know, as opposed to if I'm having a more sedentary day, um, I may need potentially less. So I think what you just said really is underpinned by the concept of flexibility, which is so key. Um, and you've, you've kind of um, skipped ahead on something I was going to ask you, which is, you know, for people who do have a specific goal, because I find there's this really hard balance between, okay, that's great. I have a great relationship with my food and I eat well and I exercise and my life's great. But then when it comes to having a specific like training goal, like I want to lose X amount of kilos or I want to um, put on X amount of muscle, I think that's when we can run the risk of falling into that extreme and really creating that imbalance between um, our, you know, whatever our normal balance looks like with our food and that, uh, that short period of time. And so I guess my question, which you've kind of already answered, but if you had any additional thoughts for anybody listening who does have a specific goal that will, you know, when we're talking about things like this, it's like eight week challenges or 12 week challenges or whatever it is, it, it takes you out of your normal routine. It gives you a period of time to focus. How can they maybe ease in and out of that without creating too much friction with this normal sense of balance? Yeah. Well, like I said before, I do think it's important to kind of have those goals and um, they are great to have something to work towards and things. Uh, the balance can be a little bit tricky with it. Um, so I think one of the most important things to do is kind of work out what the mo motiv real motivation is behind those goals. Um, so even sometimes you'll find that a goal that is maybe say weight loss or um, getting slightly more toned or something like that, um, there is actually a reason why they want to say lose that amount of weight or get toned so that they can do x y and z um, and feel good doing it or something like that um, or it might be that they want to be more confident but there's usually kind of like a motivation behind a specific goal like those and so I think it can be really um, great to take those specific goals but find out what the motivation and underlying want to get to that stage is and mm -hmm. um, because then we can kind of focus on that motivation and even that feeling that they want to be able to have and create. Um, and that doesn't mean disregard the kind of weight loss or tone goal, but it starts to make it a little bit more sustainable and a bigger picture. Um, and then it, I think it can be easier to bring that balance into it as well. So that you're still training towards something, but 
it's easier to pick up on the small kind of wins along the way as well to notice that they're getting you closer to being more confident or um, you are getting stronger and, and suddenly a daily activity in your life um, feels better and is easier mm. um, as well as moving towards that specific goal. And yeah, look, I think with goals like that, it is really important to break it down in, into the smaller steps as well. Um, and even habits, because if you can set yourself up with um, some habits that are going to get you closer to your desired goal or something like that, then you're kind of setting yourself up even better in terms of our habits are almost automatic action. So it takes less thought. I don't know if I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. No, no, don't worry. We love tangents. And I want to pull out one word you said there, which is sustainable. Yeah, go for it. Um, sustainable, I think, is the key here because mm. I know, I mean, anyone who's listened to the podcast for a while now will know my story of actually it kind of underpins how the reason why I started this whole podcast. So I'll share it very briefly. Basically I was, um, I was training at an F45 style gym about five, six times a week. Um, and I was just like obsessed with those in body scans, the ones that would tell you how much body fat you would have. Mind you, like I'm not a, I'm not i I've got quite a small frame, not, not I, at the time I didn't have that much muscle and I was quite fit. And, um, I was just fixated on getting this body fat percentage down. And I was really unclear on why I wanted to do that. It was just something I became fixated on. So then the calorie counting and the, the excessive training, even when I was tired and pushing myself to do double sessions, I became really, really intense to a point where I did my last scan and I was stepping on that or getting in that scale. And I thought, this is the one I'm going to have the lowest number because like, I feel like I look my best. I have so much energy. Like I just feel so good. And I jumped on and I had like put on, uh, you know, quite a, quite a big amount. I did put me back like two or three scans. And it was literally in that moment, I said, I've just been like so unclear on why this number is so important to me. And it was so obvious to me in that moment that that number just could not tell me anything about my energy, my overall happiness, my sense of balance, my you know ability to deal with stress and you know my ability to connect with people in my life and my focus, all those things, none of that was captured by that number. And so that was the last day I've done one of those scale, uh, one of those scans, because I just thought this is so misaligned with what I actually want to feel in life. So I think yeah. your whole idea of finding that motivator and finding that why is so important because if you don't have that, you can just be so misguided. And I think that's when it's very easy to fall into the pendulum. We're just swinging. And I mean, you said it yourself before you were kind of going through a bit of a similar experience because you just weren't really sure like what you were trying to do. You didn't really have a driving force. And so I think for anybody listening who might be feeling things like nothing's worked for me, or you feel like you're trying and trying and you're not really getting where you want to be. I think a really simple question is where do you actually want to be? Whether that is a specific weight number, that's fine to have those metrics because we need something measurable, but it's mm. more about why is it that number? What, like you yeah. said, like, what is the feeling? What, what is your motivator for that number or that weight or that fitness level or the number on the in-body scan, your body fat percentage, whatever it is. And if you can't really come up with a good reason and you just feel like it's just because then you maybe need to do a little bit, you know, a digger deeping as to what you're actually looking for in your relationship with your health and your fitness. It's not just these things that we have in our life because it's trendy to do it or whatever it is. Like we all deep down engage with these things because we know they're beneficial for our health long-term on a day-to-day basis. They make us feel great. So, you know, drill it down and work out why it is you want to do. So I really, really love that you said that. And then that brings in the idea of sustainability, because if you have a very clear why and you're, you're aware and connected with your motivator, then it's probably going to link to something that's more overarching in your life rather than something that applies just for an eight week period. And so the sustainability kind of just goes hand in hand with that, I think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it so much comes down to that, knowing your kind of why and what motivates you and things. And that's what will keep you going along as well and, and make it really like a lifestyle um, rather than just kind of trying to get somewhere. Absolutely. Like you say, and, and that's interesting because recently I started to look into um, how you break goals down and we have either milestone goals or lifestyle goals. And a milestone goal is where you kind of like will hit a certain point and you can put up with kind of like anything to get there. So say that's 
lose five kgs and you'll do whatever you can to get there but then what happens once you're there like that's kind of you know like that works great for say getting a degree or um, getting a promotion or something like that but when it comes to our health and how we really want to be living every day what happens when we get to that whereas a lifestyle goal is about kind of like making those small changes that are sustainable and will set you up to kind of continue and mm. sure it will get you closer to maybe your numerical goal of say losing 5kgs or something but it will also set you up with these habits and routines and things that you can use going forward because yeah. you don't want to just lose the 5kgs and go back to where you were because well, that's not going to be very helpful at all and yeah and I guess that helps with the balance as well as to be able to find those small changes um, that is really sustainable yeah I think that's really useful that distinction between milestone and lifestyle goals and and just hearing you talk I think the key difference between I guess what because let's, let's face it they're both kind of useful but I think the mm, key difference definitely. is the milestone goals are really appropriate for things that are that have a sense of finality so like going to school there's a sense of finality going to uni there's a sense of finality um etc you wouldn't really use a, a milestone goal for something like your health or your relationship which you would hope extends for the longevity of your life so i think that's a really nice distinction and, and i guess something for people to think about you know what are your goals right now are they can you categorize them as a milestone or a lifestyle and if they are milestone goals are they for things that have finality with them and if not is it more appropriate for you to maybe reframe that as a lifestyle goal? Because like you said, then that, that's when the sustainability, that's when the balance comes in. That's when you can start adopting those habits and routines that are actually going to help you maintain that for the longevity of your life because mm. there's no real end date to, you know, your health or your fitness or yeah. your overall, you know, sense of balance, whatever whatever that looks like. But I, um, I just wanted to add one quote that I think I've mentioned a few times before, but I really love and it's really um, pertinent to, I guess, what we're talking about. And it's this concept that, you don't need to make your lifestyle fit your diet. You need to make your diet fit your lifestyle. So yeah. I think that that to me just says like your starting point is your lifestyle. What do you want your life to look like? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and that can change. If you're somebody who really, really wants to compete in a, you know, weightlifting competition and you need to be strict in order for yourself to get there. And that's just something you're really passionate about. Then of course your balance is going to be skewed to helping you get there. And that's totally fine. And that's what we're all about on the balance theory. It's about giving people the flexibility to identify their balance as it changes in life, after, as they hit different milestones, whatever it is. But if you want to be able to go out with your girlfriends on the weekend and have a couple of drinks and eat that bowl of pasta and then just overall feel really healthy and fit and have great energy, then, you know, that's when that flexibility needs to come in. And that's when you need to then look at your goals and be like, okay, are they serving the lifestyle I want? Yeah, yeah. Completely. And I think um, that kind of reviewing of, of, of your goals and, and what's working as well, um, I think it's really important. And just being aware of, 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 I guess, what you said about, is it fitting into that lifestyle that you want? Because if, if it's suddenly not, then maybe we need to look at like some adjustments or mm -hmm. um, if it's not getting you or making you feel how you kind of want to be feeling if you've kind of slipped off that or have started doing something, I guess more restrictive or it's just, I don't know. It's, I guess no it's longer serving you. Yeah. It's no longer serving you. Then maybe it is time to just kind of like review those goals, even take a step back for a wee bit and yeah. just review them in a week or so. Yeah. But get yourself back into that space where you're like feeling good. And it's kind of like the lifestyle that you're wanting. And then, yeah, of course, keep pursuing them if, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. And I think everybody listening just from the advent of us coming in and out of lockdown, I think everyone would have experienced uh, a period of, okay, I think like what I used to enjoy or things I used to like, or what I'm doing now is like, doesn't quite feel the same. Like something feels like, it feels like I'm the same person doing the same things but it feels different like that's certainly how I felt out of lockdown and and I definitely have had that pivoting moment in the past but it's just purely a moment where you might need to reassess your habits because maybe what you need and want from the things you're doing has changed and so again coming back to that flexibility just be open to kind of do that just coming back to that coming in and out of lockdowns and things like that I think it's um it's definitely had like a big effect on everyone's uh lifestyles and and 
I guess what we've been doing day to day and it's been easier to I guess have control over things like what you're eating every day and your routine is very simple and things like that there's no kind of like spontaneous going out and things like that so it's it's been easy for people to I guess jump on kind of like a health kick um, and not have to try and work that in with their normal everyday life Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess coming out of it to really focus on that flexibility and and giving yourself the space to work out what your new kind of normal is um, I think it's really important to not yeah get hard be hard on yourself and feel like you're suddenly can't do it because you're doing completely fine Yeah. And it's just a period of change. So you need to give yourself time to stabilize. I I couldn't agree more. Although I'm I'm actually curious in your experience, I know you obviously had a little bit of a turbulent um, experience with your food relationship, as you mentioned earlier, did you ever feel guilt associated with your diet? Because that's something I definitely used to feel all the time. And if you did, um, for anybody listening who may also be feeling the same way, do you have any tips on how to sort of overcome that? So I'm talking about you know, feeling guilty if you're calorie counting for eating over the calorie count or going out on the weekend and having like a cheeky burger with your friends and just feeling terrible about it. I used to feel that way, funnily enough, about pizza, even though we spoke about it at the beginning of the episode to a point where I would actually feel sick just by eating it. Like, and I I thought I'm intolerant to pizza, but it was like purely a mental guilt thing that created like this physical disturbance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Yes, funnily enough, pizza was definitely not on my, like, I wouldn't eat it. Um, even no, surprise, it's, where, uh, no surprise, it's a favorite of ours now as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're kind of like cutting out those favorite foods and things. But yeah, guilt, I think, is a massive thing that comes with that, I guess, turbulent um, relationship with food. And that's what I really try and help clients overcome as well, because it's it's something that kind of really holds you back um so consuming yeah really consuming and really tiring like takes up a lot of your time as well if you're constantly got those thoughts and so much self-doubt as well Mm. um so yeah I personally I'd kind of I think I'd pretty much told myself that I was intolerant to dairy and gluten and all of those things all purely because of I guess my trying to restrict myself and things like that like you say the guilt was so bad that I did physically feel like they made me feel sick um which I now know completely no (laughs) maybe slightly gluten sensitive but like love pizza would wouldn't turn it down now yeah Um, well I did the full-on tests and I was like girl you're intolerant to nothing and I was like okay Yeah, and it's it's so interesting, but I think it's something that unfortunately so many people do struggle with. Um, so I guess now speaking to what I think can kind of like help or um, mm-hmm. can be a good place to start to overcome some of that guilt is um, really learning to kind of trust your body again. That's what one of the things that really helped me was and actually re- starting to realize that um, your body does actually know best (laughs) Um, and it it will try and let you know although a lot of the time in our kind of busy world um, we don't give it a chance Um, so yeah learning to trust your body again I think as well comes down to knowing that one not so healthy meal isn't going to cause you to say gain weight or ruin all your progress towards your goals Um, and building that self-trust can take quite a long time um kind of I think with the diet cycles and things like that you can often feel like you're failing yourself by not having a so healthy meal one or once or twice um so then that I guess just destroys that trust in yourself that you are doing the right things and um you just feel like you're continually failing because you can't stick to these rules that you've given yourself um I love this point quite realistic and not very flexible yeah no I love this point and I just really quickly wanted to add that the point about self-confidence is so true because you literally would go probably the whole week Monday to Saturday night 
eating so clean and training so well. And there's just something in your head that says, oh, well, you've had drinks tonight and a pizza. You've undone everything of the week. And when you think about that thought, it is so untrue. Like just because you've had a pizza, it does not invalidate anything you've done that whole week. Like it's such a silly thought when you think about it. Like you should, when you, and when you talk about self-confidence, for me, that's like, backing yourself and being like, Hey, I have worked my ass off all week. I've gotten up. I've trained every single day. I've eaten like a green vegan machine all week. Like I am going to enjoy this pizza tonight and kind of have that backing behind yourself to be like, this does not invalidate my efforts the whole week. This is something I am going to now do and enjoy. Yeah. And I think that, um, real being able to enjoy it as well is massive, um, to really, pay attention to the experience and not think about it like you say as it's ruined the whole week um unfortunately I think a lot of the guilt from eating comes from that labeling foods as good and bad yeah um and we often think that if we remove those kind of labels and allow us to ourselves to eat just what we want um that will simply like lose control and say eat pizza every and cake even every day or something like that like those will be the only foods we'll eat if we let ourselves. Um, And that's just so not true. Mm. Although it can feel like that and it can feel really scary, um, your body does actually know what to do and it will crave the healthier options and the more nutrition, um, nutritious things that are around. Mm. Um, if If you said to someone, well, you can only eat pizza and cake for two weeks, like, sure maybe the first day might be great but I'm sure after two weeks you'll be so over it and your body would just be crying out for some other kind of food nutrients yeah Yeah. and that's like exactly the point there about not labeling them as good and bad it's like really if you break it down and simplify and I think we just get so caught up in labeling and getting and making everything so complicated like really at the core Mm. of it food is energy and so whether it's good or bad is really an indicator of how much energy it's giving you. And that's only something you'll know after you eat or consume something. If you feel great, then that's not a bad food, really. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I'm not advocating for eating pizza and cake every single day, but my point is like, (laughs) if of a weekend you enjoy whatever it is, like food is still energy and there are still ways to do little things. Like when you order a pizza, getting a side salad. So you're still getting a combination of all those, um, you know, the micronutrients that feed your gut, whatever, like a bit of diversity in, yeah. um, in your meal. But yeah, I, I like that. If, if you really just remove like the good and the bad, it's just energy and it's how you feel mm. when you eat it. Yeah. And like you say, like, I really like to look at, um, in particular with clients and things as well, is focus on what you can be adding to your diet or Mm. what you can be adding in to make yourself feel good rather than focusing on all the things that say you don't want to be doing or you you don't want to eat Um, because often when we focus on what we don't want to be doing um, or we're not allowed or something like that it's only going to make us want to do it or have it more yeah it's kind of like it kind of like works in the reverse It's like, Um, don't think about the pink elephant. (laughs) Yeah, completely. And then I guess um, also I wanted to touch on like coming back to that feeling like one meal is going to ruin your whole week and things. Um, I think it's really good to remove that perfect eating mentality um, Mm. or all or nothing thinking. And so a common question I kind of ask um, clients is, would you describe yourself as a perfectionist when it comes to food and eating? And most of the time the answer is yes, because people think that to get to their health goal or where they want to be, that um, they have to be perfect in what they're doing. And so it's really great to kind of um, break it down and look at it at how many, how many meals do we have in a whole week? So if you simply went kind of three three meals a day for seven days, it's like 21 meals a week. Mm-hmm. That's 21 chances that you have to feel your body well and, and really make yourself feel good. So what is one, two, three, even four out of just the 21? That's like a minimum amount that you're going to be having. Um, what's that really look like in the scheme of things? Mm when you've been doing 
all these other great things during the week, those small minority is not what's going to just like cause you to go completely off, off schedule on what you're trying to get to or completely, I guess, ruin your health goals or everything that you've already gained. Um, yeah. So I think it's just really good to put it into perspective um, and realize that the consistency is, is far better than kind of having a perfect week or something like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, one kind of meal or snack or anything like that um, doesn't need to affect the whole week, um, even the whole day. It's, it's just one eating experience. Yeah. Um, and kind of e every meal or snack is a great chance to learn and, and work out what works best for you. Um, and sure, maybe a meal makes you not feel so great, but that just, that's great to then look back at and be like, oh, well, last time that wasn't so great. So maybe I'll have another option or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think putting it into perspective for yourself can really help with that guilt and, and help with that, I guess, cycling of on and off as well. Is, there's so many incredible uh, tips wrapped in amongst that. And I love the call out of the all or nothing mentality because I definitely resonate with that more. My past self resonates with that. Mm. It's like this idea that, like you said, if you have one of the 21 meals that are in your mind, not ideal or not the perfect meal, or doesn't fit with what you thought you should be eating that week. You know, that's such a minuscule amount for you to then say, well, the whole week's out the window. Like I've ruined the whole week or I've ruined the whole day when it's mm. not even half, you know, not even at 50%. It's not even enough to sway, I guess, your health if, if, if that's how you're going to look yeah. at it. So it is, it is quite a, an irrational thought when you think about it, but one I know very well and I know a lot of people would also um, resonate with. So I think you've given a lot of really good food for thought, mind the pun. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, definitely a lot, of, a lot of things to think about. And another thing you said there, consistency, this stuff, you don't just, you know, wake up and go, oh, okay. It's only one meal. I'll get over it. You, if you're feeling that guilt, it will take a while to cycle out. I didn't just think, oh, you know, not, not being able to eat pizza is just in my head and then picked it up and was fine. It was a very gradual, tried it a little bit you know, had one slice and then had it mostly salad. And then I just slowly started building it up and now I can, you know, put one in front of me and watch me go, but it yeah. is, <laughs> it is a, it's an incremental thing. So it's just that compassion towards ourselves and being flexible. Mm. Like as you change in life, I know like our bodies are not the same until they're 80 years old. There's going to be moments in life where you tolerate different things or you need more of something or less of something. And so, like you said, our bodies know best. And you're absolutely right. Like I sometimes get like weird cravings for something sweet or something really leafy and green or for meat, like, and that is your body, like literally telling you what it needs. You just, you definitely need to listen. But on this note, yeah. I know your whole thing is about, you know, becoming your own food and body expert, which I think is fantastic. You're kind of giving the power to the people to really look after themselves. So how does someone, you know, obviously apart from working with a professional like yourself, what are some things somebody can do to start becoming their own food and body expert? Yeah, great. I, I kind of love this question. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I think, as much. I thought you'd love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, like you say, like it's um, really getting to know yourself and your body and working out what works best for you, but also what's going to make you feel good that's kind of like easy every day. Like you don't want to kind of wake up and feel like you've got to do 101 of these really difficult tasks to make yourself feel good for the day. Like we just don't work like that and that's not sustainable. It's not flexible or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I think a great place to start is um, becoming really aware of your habits and behaviors that you are doing. Because so much of our time is kind of spent going around and doing our day-to-day -day things. Um, and we almost do them automatically. So it can be really great to kind of take a step back and, and look at those habits and things that we're doing and work out which ones are useful and, and helpful to us. And maybe which ones are kind of holding us back or are maybe no longer helpful. Um, mm. Maybe they were once, but we're still kind of continuing to do them. Um, and from there, you can start to kind of make some changes or maybe implement a new habit in the place of one that you kind of keen to change or just get rid of. 
Yeah. I just want to add that there, I think, um, and feel free to add anything as well. I think the easiest way when we say, I guess, become aware of your habits, I think because they are automatic, sometimes you wouldn't call it a habit. Like when I ask people Mm. and talk to people about their daily habits, like no one ever says making their bed or brushing their teeth. You know, it's not something you think I automatically do that. So my easiest suggestion would be outside of your work hours, when you're commuting, when you wake up in the morning, all the filler spots, write down what it is that you actually do. And that's where you'll start to work out a bit of a pattern. And it could just be keeping a log for a week and then just working out what all the commonalities are. Because like I said, sometimes these things don't strike us as habits straight away. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's kind of the way that habits work is, um, you know, they're very kind of subconscious. So like you say, really writing them down um, is a great, I guess, task or just way to become aware of what you're doing and then breaking them down again. So once you've got them written down, kind of break them down into what's like benefiting me and what's maybe not benefiting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can, yeah, just having that awareness is the best place you can start really. Yeah. And sometimes it's um, also like the, um, the quantity of the habit. So for example, mm-hmm. scrolling on social media, I know a lot of people would probably be um, in the same boat as me here. Sometimes I get stuck on the scroll and, you know, for, for five, <laughs> 10 minutes to give me a bit of a distraction and a break and a bit of entertainment from work. It's great. You need brain breaks. You need to take yourself out of what you're doing. And social media is quite an enjoyable and educative tool, but it's when it exceeds that time. And when it's very, very frequent throughout your day, that's when it becomes harmful. So sometimes it's like, is it helpful or harmful? But if, if it's harmful, can you just do it less? So it then becomes yeah. helpful. Or sometimes you need to just expel the habit completely. So that's just something I wanted to add there. Yeah, no, that's great to add there as well. Um, Yeah, and then I guess because it's very much about kind of like learning what works for you and your body and it's going to be different from person to person. Um, I think that's really important to not look at what someone else is doing um, and think that maybe you should be doing that. It's fine to try it and see if it does work for you. It might, might not, might. Um, but yeah, I guess starting to also include things like um, mindful eating. So just actually starting to pay attention to how some food's making you feel or how, how you're enjoying it. Um, so like you say, with the scrolling and things like that, maybe you notice that that's a habit that you're doing while you're always eating or something like that. So you can start to integrate a bit more mindful eating and then start Mm. to try and listen to your kind of hunger and fullness as well. Um, It's something that can be quite tricky and take quite a long time to tune back into. Um, But we all did it as children. We kind of knew when we were hungry and, and when we were full and to stop. Um, but just over time with everything going on in our busy lives, we kind of lose touch with it. So I think that's kind of an important part of becoming your own expert as well as is slowly tuning back into those um, things that your body is trying to tell you um, and being able to listen to those as well. Um, and then I guess on from that um, and thinking about what foods you actually like when you kind of remove those rules and expectations and things that you've had around food. Um, So using the eating experiences, like I said, to, um, I guess, I guess um, learn what you enjoy, but also find those things that maybe do make you feel great, but then also there might be some that don't make you feel so good. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you actually remove the rules and the thoughts of the should and shouldn't, um, then you can start to work out what you actually like and and maybe the things that work for you better than others. Absolutely. And then I guess the last kind of part of it um, in terms of becoming your own expert um, on you is working out kind of a sustainable form of movement that you enjoy and and really starting to move intuitively as well. Um, So incorporating the rest and recognizing when you need the rest, but also recognizing when maybe you would feel better if you just got out and did something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the self-care kind of at the end there as well. So you've kind of 
working out what works for you and things, but also working out how you can incorporate some bit more self-care into your days and things as well um, and make that a bit of a priority so that I guess it becomes that more balanced um, look at things and I guess you want to remove any guilt as well around that rest and and doing something for yourself um, because it's it's so beneficial and, and will give you that space and things to do all the things that you want to do and you enjoy um, if you're looking after yourself kind of fully in a holistic way. Absolutely. I love everything you've just said there. And, and I love, I mean, I know our conversation has been skewed a lot around like the food and nutrition side today, but it really is not in isolation with your recovery and your movement and all those things, um, which I'm sure underpin your health coach work. But I think um, just one thing I wanted to add there that is kind of a spin off of everything you've just said is I think once you, you know, remove the rules and you start becoming aware and have mindful eating and all those things, food actually becomes this opportunity to, to revel in self-care and I know that yeah. sounds a bit weird but I can tell you like when I'm having enjoying a, a fresh burrata or a nice you can tell I'm Italian obviously like a nice bowl of pasta or something yeah. like that for me just feels like food for me is a soul thing and that's just yeah. such a part of my mental health that needs to be stimulated it's it's separate from what you get from a relationship or what you get from uh, meditation you know it, it's a soul thing it's like you have those people that just feel your soul and so it's it's almost funny I I actually feel my healthiest, happiest self with none of the rules, um, with being totally flexible, with not judging myself. And I actually feel like that's portrayed physically. Like I'm, you know, the happiest I've been physically as well. Um, yeah. So it's a bit ironic. And, and obviously this is separate to people who have specific goals and, and, and that's kind of a separate conversation, but yeah. we're talking here overall well-being. Um, I, I just, I found in my experience is quite ironic when you move away from the things you think are going to get you there and you just start really reveling in that awareness and becoming connected to your hunger and your fullness and your mindfulness and all that. That's really what I found to be the best way to get me back to balance. So I really, really love everything you've shared today. I think it fits so nicely with our framework so nicely with everything we speak about when it comes to balance, especially with our relationship with food and our health. Um, so I just really want to firstly thank you for sharing all of your expertise, your knowledge and your thoughts on the podcast today. I know everyone would have gotten so, so much out of it. And secondly, if people do want to connect with you, potentially work with you or just follow along your journey, where's the best place they can do so? Yeah, well, thank you so much. And I um, so resonate with what you said there about that little bit of self-care and things as well. And um, I think that's so similar to me in terms of this is kind of like the healthiest, happiest I've been. And I'd say the most kind of like freeing as well. Yeah. And when you find that balance, it's awesome. Um, so yeah, the best place to find me is um, on Instagram. So Harriet underscore well, um, or I have a website as well. And it's just harrietwell.com. So you can find me there. But yeah, Instagram's the best place to find me if you want to just follow along on the journey and see what I'm up to. Well, I'll make it easy for everyone. I'll pop links in the show notes below. But thank you so, so much for your time. I hope your lockdown stint is not longer than it needs to be. And um, I look forward to seeing uh, everything else you've got coming up, posting on your website and in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely chatting today.